I received an email and it was from one of my customers from South Africa and uh, the email said that I purchased a baby cot mobile for my child whose name is Ibrahim and she had like a domestic worker that would come in and do a housework and she goes a few days later she noticed that the domestic worker was reciting the surahs from the Quran and she said to the worker do you know what you're saying she goes I don't know what I'm saying but it's really peaceful every time I hear this so she had memorized a few surahs from, uh, from the Quran and she said like okay can you explain what it means so then the lady who purchased the cot mobile from us she told her worker what these surahs mean and she goes wow this is really good because I'm quite interested in Islam and a few days later she took a shahada and became a Muslim and I remember reading that email and I was like, subhanAllah, that's like amazing. As I get older, my toys get more expensive. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the One Foot in the Sink podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Anis and Foz is here. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. And she has lots of toys. It's Nazia Nasreen. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Assalamu alaikum. Hello, my friends. Muslims. Muslims. Muslim Lifestyle Podcast. What do you think the podcast is about? I think it's about Muslim because you put your foot in the sink when you do a do. It's about a story called the Ghostbusters. So Foz, do you find that your toys are becoming more and more expensive? Yeah, 100%. And it's always tech stuff as well. They're getting more smarter and they're getting more expensive. Compared to my sons, I just get them with the plastic fake stuff. The tech, the tech's getting smarter, but you ain't. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> so what was the last toy that you bought? I bought a new iPad recently, a couple of weeks ago. So that was fun. But then you quickly get bored of it. What about you, Nazia? What's the most recent toy that you bought? We just bought one today, actually. We bought a um, doll for my daughter. Oh, nice. Did you buy it from your own website? No, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's get on with the opening question. Are you guys ready for the opening question? Yes. Yep. Have you thought of yours this time, Anise? Are you prepared? Or are you going to be on the fly again? No, no, no. I'm prepared this time. I think I have an okay answer. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Just so you know, Nazia, so every time we go through an opening question, mm-hmm. one, I always go first. Two, Anise is never, ever prepared. So this is going to be, this is the first time it's exciting. <laughs> All right. So the opening question for this episode is, if you had an unlimited budget and a wild imagination, what would be your ultimate toy experience? So, as usual, we'll go with you, Foz. Okay, so recently, um, I bought my son some Lego. And with this Lego, it's like a you can make a robot thing and you can program it to do things. So, it's like a smart Lego thing. And when I was thinking about this answer, I thought of that and what I would have. And my imagination is quite wild. So, you would have magic Lego. And you could build whatever you want. So if you build a car and then it turns real. So if you build a plane, it can go into a real plane. If you build a like whatever you want to build, as long as you can build it with a Lego, it will turn into a real thing. But you'd have to be oh, build a really cool. big Lego car to make it into a real car. No, yeah, obviously it'll be size. So you can make basic one, uh, like a police car. You get all the parts for it, right? So you can make the police car and it will turn into a real car. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, thank you. Still finding holes in my answer, Anise. <laughs> At least the repair bills will be cheap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just replaced the Lego pieces, that's it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. What about you, Nazia? What would be your ultimate toy experience? Well, I've just come up with one now after listening to Foz. And it's quite cool, actually. I'm saying that myself. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, it's going to be an Islamic <laughs> It's going to be an Islamic toy. So basically, you know how you have those karaoke machines where you can um, select the buttons yeah. and sing songs this one you'd have a machine where you select the button and hear a surah from the quran but instead of singing back it gets ingrained into your memory and you memorize it wow How cool is that i need one of those yeah exactly yeah and especially when i'm going through them with my son and stuff that would be so that'll make life so much easier as well i like the idea so we need to come up with that now <laughs> yeah we need to find the technology and you can see how your mind works straight away <laughs> All right, so my answer is, if not original, because I have seen a video for it. So when I was little, I used to like these Hot Wheel cars, and I used to spend, spend hours on end just playing with Hot Wheels. And, you know, you can get those Hot Wheel tracks. So I saw a video of this guy made some ultimate track for these Hot Wheel cars. It went, like, over his house and into the neighbor's house and in the swimming pool and then down the gutter pipe and you know like it was just crazy and then you know you had all the all the cars racing each other so 
if I had an unlimited budget, I'd probably make one of those tracks with, you know, with explosions and everything, real explosions and things going on. Like a huge Hot Wheel track. It will be the ultimate Hot Wheel track. And then I'll use a drone to film it all. Do you know what? I might put that video. I think I've seen that and it's so cool the way they did that. And it is, it's a good answer, but wouldn't it be better if you could actually make a real Hot Wheels experience? Imagine sitting in a car and going through that. Oh, yeah. That would be quite cool as well, actually. But then that would just be like a Formula One race. It's not really a toy experience. All right, Nice. <laughs> okay, so let's get on with the show. Our guest today is Nazia Nasreen from Ibrahim Toy House. In 2014, while on maternity leave, you founded Ibrahim Toy House, the UK's first online Islamic toy store. We want to know her story, the inspiration behind the business, and her insights into the Muslim retail market. So, Nazia, it's great to have you on. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. So, let's start with you. Tell us about yourself, your family, and where you're from. Okay, so I'm from Birmingham, and I have two children. Yeah, so... <laughs> um, and uh, okay so how do you balance like running family life kids running business and things like that how is it a hectic household okay so basically i'm actually a qualified audiologist and i still work um part-time well one day a week um as an audiologist and in terms of balancing um being a mother running a business and trying to fit in that part-time job there's no real balance to be honest i'm still looking for that balance i don't <laughs> i don't think there is a balance every day i just um is a different day and I just take each day as it comes really. What is an audiologist? So I do hearing tests and dispense hearing aids. I, d- I did a hearing test recently. My wife sent me. She said I couldn't hear what she was saying to me. <laughs> it's because you never listen to these. <laughs> That's called selective hearing. My hearing my hearing is fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so could you just describe a typical day? Like how is it you kind of you manage the children and then the interactions with the business? Um, so what does a typical day look like for you? Typical day, to be honest, starts really early. It starts about five o'clock and I start off, sounds really sad, but I check my emails because <laughs> I like to get all my emails done with before the kids wake up because um, and then it's prayer. And then after that, try you know, in between that time, the kids wake up, it takes me literally two hours trying to get them you know ready for school once they're in school because both of my kids are now in school which is like a bonus for me because I've always struggled with time <laughs> management especially uh, trying to get my work done when the kids have been at home so now that they're in school so I have that time from nine to three to get as much done as I can before they come back home and that usually involves me working with my marketing team uh, me sourcing new products or meeting um, or me going to the fulfillment center which is in Reading and me coming up with you know ideas on how we can expand the business and then at three o'clock that's it it's back to picking the kids up and after school activities cooking dinner putting them to bed and then starts again wow. at eight o'clock in the evening. I just like to check my emails again and then wind the day down because I don't like to work after 9 p.m., which which has changed, to be honest, because when I started in 2014, my son, whose name is Ibrahim, at the time, he was obviously a baby and my daughter was three years old. In those early days, I used to wake, uh, I mean, I used to work till like 12 in the night just because it was easier then, but now it's easier to work during the day because they're not home to distract me. <laughs> There's quite a bit there, and I really want to get into the details of, you know, the experience of working and then starting the business and go through the story in a, in a bit. But um, so you mentioned when you started the business, uh, it was a lot, it was very difficult when you started the business. So can you tell us a bit more about like the story of how it all started? Like what, made, what was the inspiration behind it all and how did it all start? So I was on maternity leave and I knew after having my second child that going back to work was going to be impossible because with my working, it starts at nine, finishes at six. I knew it'd be extremely difficult to, you know, with the kids go back to work and, you know, balance work and family life. So I knew I wasn't going back to work and I started thinking, okay, what is it that I can do? And I started thinking, what is it that I enjoy doing? And I couldn't really think of anything that I really enjoyed doing that I want to take up as a career. So I kind of let it go. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to do nothing. I just want to be a housewife. And I just want to enjoy this time because I know the kids are going to grow up really fast and I'm going to miss this time. And as soon as they're in school, I'll go back to my job part time as an audiologist. But um, yeah, one day I was feeding my son and my daughter was just sitting on the floor and she was playing with these um, blocks, um, the English alphabet blocks. And... uh, 
I just thought to my head, oh, she's turning four soon. And I started thinking about, you know, sending her to mosque or teaching her the Arabic alphabet. And then I just started reflecting back on when I was young and, you know, about my Islamic studies education and how much I didn't enjoy it. Because with me, what I used to go to school, come back and go to mosque for two hours. I knew, if, you know, my daughter really enjoyed learning and she really learned a lot through play. So I thought, let me just have a look if you can find some blocks with the English, um, with the Arabic alphabet so I can start teaching her at home instead of sending her to mosque from a really young age. So I started doing some research and I found some blocks and then I found uh, some prayer mats and then I found a few other products. Uh, and then I kind of ordered a few products and I didn't actually think of setting up an online Islamic toy store at the time. And I was feeding my son again and I came across an article about um, a company called Party Pieces. So it's like an online platform where they sell party accessories, decorations and everything. And all of a sudden, the Islamic toys idea came in my head. I thought, wait a minute, I can do this because I really enjoyed looking for um, the Islamic toys and books for my daughter. So I started researching and I thought, you know, maybe I should do this. You know, maybe I should should start selling Islamic toys and books. And I never thought I would have like a website or, you know, I would grow it into a big business, basically. It was just like a simple idea, something that I wanted to do from home. I didn't imagine, like, I didn't have like this, you know, business plan or huge business goals, just I was just thinking my local community, really, where I can contact a few moms. And then um, I decided to share my idea on social media, on my Facebook, personal Facebook page. And I remember at the time it was, um, it was I think it was Ramadan. And I shared a few images of the prayer mat and uh, the Arabic alphabet blocks. And I had a lot of interest from moms. And I started getting orders from uh, parents immediately. And I think these were parents who were actually buying Eid presents for the children. And I realized, wow, I think people are really interested in these products. So I, I placed a big order with my suppliers and I started selling to these moms who were on my Facebook page. This was my personal Facebook page at the time. And then I decided <laughs> to, two months later, decided to set up my, um, you know, like a business face, uh, Facebook page, Ibrahim Toy House. And all what I remember, to be honest, at the time was I had a newborn and I had a four-year-old at the time. And all what I remember was I was constantly on my phone answering questions about how much is this? Can I place an order? How do you accept payments? And at that point, I thought, you know what? I need a website because if the products are there, the images are there, the pricing is there, and people can just go on the website, place an order. They don't need to contact me unless, you know, if they have any other con queries or concerns. And uh, so that's what I did. I decided to then get a website design so it's easier for my customers to actually and it's easier for me that I'm not 20, glued onto my phone 24-7 so that's how we all started and then what I did was I did not realise finding Islamic toys and finding you know like unique cool products that were educational it kind of became an obsession so every time I saw something <laughs> that was you know really different that I haven't come across that I knew that my local sort of Islamic stores or n nothing on the high street was selling I would contact the suppliers and I would stock the product and uh, you know, the sales were increasing. So, you know, it was working and I knew that there was a demand. So I just want to ask you a question, Nazia. So just going back in your story, do you know, initially when you were, when you, when you saw your daughter playing with the blocks and then you had the idea of going online and just trying to see what um, Islamic inspired toys or books there are, what was that experience like for you initially before you had your own shop up and running? Like, was it quite easy to find these products online? No, it wasn't easy, to be honest, no, because I didn't find all these products at once. I had to do a lot of research. And majority of the products in the big, in the early days were not from the UK because four years ago, there weren't that many Islamic toys, especially good quality products. Things have changed now. Like, you know, we were just talking the other day. Over the past four years, we have had so many new suppliers that have, you know, that are from the UK now. Because obviously there's a demand. I think people have noticed and people are, you know, a lot of people are becoming entrepreneurs where they're designing their own products, manufacturing their own products. Before years ago, no, we only had one UK supplier. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm just still curious about your initial experiences because a lot of people will relate to that. And I know my, from my own wife, she always goes into that thought process of, you know, I want to start my own business. I want to do something. So what do you think was the key thing for you in your mind that actually made you do it? When I look back at it now and I think about it, to be honest with you, for me at that point, it was, I was so naive. For me, it was something that I want to do from home, something that I enjoy. And I, I just realized I really enjoy finding these really, you know, cool educational products. And in terms of starting, I think it was easy for me because I wasn't the main breadwinner. So I knew, you know, I don't have to go back to work. You know, I've got a husband who's earning. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I knew I had to take a risk in the sense that 
when I initially started off, I had a few savings to buy the stock. But when it came to getting the website done, I didn't have enough money to get the website done. I didn't have enough money for the marketing. I had no I had no business knowledge or experience. And if someone ever said, you want to be a businesswoman, I was like, oh, no, that's not me. <laughs> because that wasn't me, you know. I just wanted to work from home. And to, to be on my main goal was to be around the kids and to enjoy what I do. And uh, from there, as I realized, uh, you know, that there was a demand for these products. People like these products. Um, and then I was like, okay, how do I spread the word? I kind of learned everything on the go. You know, when I went to get my first website designed, I it was just a like, recommendation from what I didn't know what, pla- what web- website platforms were. So everything I kind of learned on the go, to be honest, yeah. But, the, but for me, the early days, I think the main struggle was trying to make sure that I'm not glued onto my phone because I wanted to work from home, but I didn't want to kind of show the kids that I'm on my phone 24-7. So can you just talk us through how it's grown? So you like from your Facebook page and you've got this website, you, then you, you mentioned, you know, you've got your own marketing team now. Could you just, just kind of build that picture? So it's gone from that Facebook page, you've got, you've got your basic site and then now you've got this marketing team. So I got my website and then, you know, what I started doing is, you know, finding new products became an obsession. So Ibrahim Toy House became like the store you go to if you wanted products that weren't available in the UK, easily available in the UK or the high street or your local Islamic stores because I tried to make sure that I was stocking products that were not available in the UK because that was my mission to make sure there was cool, fun, unique products products that were also educational. And then I started working with quite a few well-known Muslim bloggers. So I'd contact them and, you know, say, you know, do you want to review these products? And, you know, they would review the products, share them with their audience. And that would increase our social media following, but then also increase our sales for the products. And then what I was doing but this was me without me realizing that I'm doing this. I was sharing like, for example, um, for example, when I take the kids to nursery, I would have like, you know, how Santa, ha- Santa has a sack of all the toys. I would take <laughs> yeah. the toys to the post office because I was, st- my products were stocked in the attic at the time in my house. And then basically I would take them in my car and I would sort of share my journey on social media. I'm going to do the nursery run and I'm, you know, taking the uh, orders to the post office. And so people knew it was like a one woman, you know, business selling toys from home in an attic and taking them to the post office. So they knew what I, you know, that, you know, it was not a, like a huge business, but something that I enjoyed. And they, they liked my products and they knew that you know some of these products were available elsewhere and also my customer service was always on point so if someone ever contacted me and said to me oh this book is ripped or I haven't received it or you know I I wouldn't question them I would just send another one out I always done that from day one without, you know, questioning them. I just, my customer service is always on point. I'd always make sure that answer emails on time. And then after working with these bloggers, what I realized was that the social media following had increased, obviously, because, you know, they had shared the products and then the um, sales had increased. And then I decided to go to my first exhibition, which was the Muslim Lifestyle Expo in Coventry. That I think that was in 2015. And I think that was the first time I realized I was an entrepreneur because <laughs> I was because you work from home and you do what you enjoy. You don't I, I didn't really want to tell myself and I, I didn't like telling myself that I was this entrepreneur. So, yeah, basically, I met a lot of sisters and a lot of brothers, a lot of uh, people in the Muslim community that were running their own businesses, the hijab business, you know, cake business, Islamic cards business. And I realized, OK, there's a lot of people, you know, I'm not the only crazy one that's doing this. So I kind of got in contact with these people. And, and then after that event, I started networking. Like I started going to a lot of networking events, talking to people who were running their own businesses because it made me feel better. That makes sense because I felt like I could relate to these people because if I spoke to my friends who were in the audiology jobs, they just would not understand why why she's a qualified audiologist. She's not going back to work. She's selling Islamic toys and books. You know, it didn't make sense to them. <laughs> yeah. And going to these networking events really changed my like. Um, me as a person in terms of my confidence because I'm an introvert I'm quite shy so I don't really like talking to many people but I realized the more I spoke to people the more opportunities came my way so in 2015 this was end of 2015 I was so I looked back at my website and this is now I'm getting a bit of knowledge started reading business books started reading listening to podcasts and I thought oh my god I've got a really tacky logo I need to change this now I need to change my branding and I started researching on branding and I realized my website wasn't really doing a lot for me Apart from you know uh, getting the sales in, it wasn't it, it didn't have many features. So I started doing research on different website platforms and everything, and I realized photography, all these things that come into an e-commerce web. That's when my brain clicked, you know. And I thought, oh my god, there's so many things I can change now. And I started looking at other businesses like ASOS and stuff like that, and just start seeing what they do. Although they're doing something, they you know they're selling toys. I mean, they're selling um, clothing. They're doing something completely different from Islamic toys. But I was thinking, look, it's an 
they're also a, a platform and they're online. So I started like looking at what they're doing. And we were doing similar things in terms of, you know, Facebook advertising, sending products to bloggers, sending emails, going to exhibitions and shows. So I was just trying to improve the look of my website, make it look a bit more professional. So I started working with like a photographer to get professional photos so I had my kids so I didn't need to hire any models uh, I had their <laughs> friends so that was easy for me so that was the first time I had in 2015 I had my professional photo shoot I got my and I did a lot of research into my uh, logo to get this new logo done because I was like you know I'm not happy with this it needs to be something that I know that is going to last as a business grows it's going to be something that can be easily printed on packaging and stuff like that and I also started to really increase my product range and then what I had to do was I can't believe I did this but I had to go back to my job because I realized I was running out of money and I was always begging my husband you know I need to go to this exhibition or I need to get these new products and he was really good in the sense that he, I think he knew he kept me busy and he realized how much I enjoyed doing this but I realized you know what I need to go back to my um, audiology job in order to make this business work because this is what I want to do and in order to increase the product range and in order to market the business I need the money so then I went back to my job two days a week so at this point I was um, juggling two days a week at my audiology job running an online business and being a mom and to be honest I think I underestimated how hard it was being a mom at the time because I was just so passionate about this business because at this point I also came across a few competitors who I kind of knew personally people that I had meetings with about my website design as I was thinking about changing the platforms who had gone and set up an online Islamic toy store because they realized well you know she can do it I'm sure we can because you know these people were quite intelligent I'm not that I'm saying I'm not intelligent but yeah intelligent people that you know they, they really had a lot of business experience and knowledge and you know there was me the naive girl who kind of didn't know anything when she started business but was learning things on the go but I think what kept me going was my passion for what I was doing and also the feedback that I was getting from the customers you know oh my daughter's learned surah fatiha through the amina doll and that would really make me happy and it was like okay you know it's something I'm doing that is you know good so in 2016 basically I decided I was at work and I decided I am going to this networking event which is I don't know if I heard about this called enterprise nation Uh, so it's basically a networking event for startups in the UK and the event was called Meet the Journalists event and that event t- literally changed everything for Ibrahim Toyhas so I went into this room and I remember that it was the only one who was wearing the headscarf and I, and I was really tired because I was at my audiology job uh, during the day and I sat there and I thought okay you know what I'm not going to see the kids today because by the time I get home they're going to be in bed so if I'm here I'm going to make sure that I'm not because what I do is I used to go to events and there was so much that I wanted to know and so much I wanted to say but I never had the courage to speak up because I always had confidence issues or oh, I felt like I'm going to sound stupid but I went to this event thinking okay no I have to if I have to pitch my business today if I get the opportunity I want to speak to a journalist because at this point I was I was dreaming that Ibrahim Toyas is going to be really big so there was a few journalists from the mainstream media in talking about how we should pitch our business to them and then in the end they gave us an opportunity to pitch our business so they said okay who wants to pitch the business and I don't know what happened but I just put my hand up straight away and uh, so <laughs> they selected me and uh, I had to stand up and pitch my business to them and this is the first time I'm actually standing in front of about I think about 30 40 people the majority of them were journalism students and the ones on the stage were these journalists and I introduced the business I said hi my name is Nazia I'm a founder of Ibrahim Toy House which is an online Islamic toy store um, and back in the days to make it easier for the non-muslims I used to say describe my business as we are the toys and rust for the muslim community if i don't say that anymore <laughs> uh, because, so um yeah i don't say that anymore say yeah, you don't want to say that now and um And then I kind of said something like the reason I started my business was because I was sick and tired of seeing all the negativity about Muslims in the media because that was one of the reasons and I wanted to um find educational toys that would make learning fun for my children but also make sure that every child is proud of their religious identity. And then while I was saying that line because that was all rehearsed in my head and while I was saying that line I I just stopped and I started shaking and I was and I was and I got really embarrassed because I think my brain told me what the hell are you doing you know and they kind of realized how nervous i was and they were like carry on and i just could not carry on and they were, what's the problem what's wrong and i was like nothing they go do you feel like people here are judging you that's what the presenter said and i said yes cuz because i don't do this normally you know this is for me is a big thing i didn't realize to put my hand up and then i'm explaining my business and they're like okay don't worry take a seat so as soon as the event finished the journalists on the panel came down and each one of them gave me the card and they said to me would love to write about your business and your journey and your story i was like okay So we kept in contact and then one of the uh, journalists from a magazine called BQ magazine contacted me a few days later and then we were in contact then he sent another journalist to my house you know and 
they did an interview, they did a photo shoot with the kids, they took a few images of the products and then I knew I was going to be featured in this magazine because obviously they came and we had an interview and everything. But the next month, a magazine was posted through my door with me on the cover of the magazine. So I was like, oh my God, I started shaking literally when I saw that because for me, that was me. That was basically a lesson for me that I kind of came out of my comfort zone. I spoke up, which was a big thing for me. And then an amazing opportunity came where I was on the cover of the BQ magazine. So I decided to share that on my social media page and the followers that we have on the social, social media were really proud because I shared my story, how it came. They were really happy. And uh, yeah, so that was me, you know, learning that going to this networking event was really important for me. Wow. Did you say you were introverted? <laughs> no, you know something, this is what's changed is the fact that someone who had no confidence has like literally completely changed me as a person in the sense that I can, I can go in front of a group of people, I can speak. My confidence has definitely improved. I just want to pick up on one of the points. Like with my background, I had to do a lot of networking and I never saw any Muslim women. Can we just, I just want to touch on this. What are your thoughts on networking and networking as a Muslim woman? What kind of advice would you give to anyone listening to this? Because I found it, like you, very powerful. But also, yeah, I never saw a Muslim woman there. So can you just talk a bit about that? That's a good point. That's an advantage because you're a Muslim woman, especially for hijabi. You go to this networking event and you stand out. So they notice you. So if you put your hand up, they will pick you because I think that's a really good point. Because A, when we go to these networking events, we are, we are showing the people that, yes, Muslim women, yes, they can run their businesses. Yes, they're allowed to get out the house. They can network. They can communicate. And I think it's this thing that's in us. If we don't see another, what for my experience, if I'm in an event and I don't see another hijabi or another Muslim sister, I do get nervous. but and I have these preconceived like thoughts in my head. Okay, this person is thinking this about me, but no. I think if you go out there and introduce yourself and introduce your business, a lot of, especially I've done this, a lot of the non-Muslims find the, my business idea and my business journey really, really, they find it really unique and they find it really fun and they, they're really interested. And I find that as well. And even like, even like, even a guy, right? So whenever I used to, a lot of it's in your head. A lot of it's you talking yourself out of doing yes. things. Um, but once yeah, you take that yes, step, yes. like even getting up and speaking to the whole mm-hmm. room, the way you described it, like, how did you feel afterwards that, you know, you got up, you, you spoke about it, but then you, you did get something out of it. But just that, just how did you work through that? What made you more confident now that you can stand up in a room and speak to it? I think because I've done it now, I know that the opportunities that come about as soon as you get out of your comfort zone and also the limited beliefs that I had in my head when I started off, you know, my my mindset so what I would say to myself no I can't do it but I you know before I do anything now I'm like yes I can do it um, and I change my thought process that really does help and I think if you have to believe in yourself especially when you're an entrepreneur you know you because ha- it's like a roller coaster right you'll have your good days and your bad days you just kind of think okay the bad days will go away and the harder you work the more opportunities come but you have to get out you can't stay at home and just work from your computer because that can be something that will stop you and hinder your process because the more you go out, especially to these networking events or exhibitions and shows where other Muslim, you know, businesses are, people will recognize your brand. You know, you collaborate, you work, you talk to them and you, it makes you realize. I remember the first time I went to my event in Coventry, that was my first year of starting my business. And a few people came and said, oh, my God, are you from Ibrahim Toya? So I was thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, they know me. You know, that was a big thing for me. So it's like, yeah. so it's crazy. But, yeah, I think you have to go out there and you have to get out of your comfort zone. Well, and um, it seems like it's been a huge part of the way you've developed, not just yourself, but even the business, yes. um, hearing you talk through it. So uh, one of the other bits you mentioned was some feedback you received. So um, I was really curious. And even when we were doing a research, me and Nisa both curious, I wonder what's the best piece of feedback you've had. Like, have, like, Is there one piece of feedback that you've had that has really been quite emotional or quite powerful for you? Yes, it's going to hit you as well when I tell you. This is quite recent, actually. So um, I think it was a couple of months ago. Basically, it was half term. So when was the last half term in the UK? I think that was in Feb. So I was um, was going to take the kids out for a day out. And I received an email and it was from one of my customers. And uh, the email said that I purchased a baby cot mobile for my child, whose name is Ibrahim. And basically the cot mobile, as, do you guys know what a cot mobile is? Yeah. Yeah, you stick it on the cot and you know you press a button and normally it says uh, it has a few music and nursery nursery rhymes, but this one had a few surahs from the Quran and he had a few nasheeds. So someone purchased that from South Africa 
and she tried fixing it onto the cot mobile upstairs in the child's bedroom but it would not attach onto the child's bedroom so when I was reading this I was thinking oh god this is another complaint or something and she goes so what she decided to do was she bought the cot mobile downstairs and the child had like a, a basket or something so she attached it onto the child's basket so you know during the day when the child's downstairs they can listen to the Quran and they can listen to the nasheeds and she had like a domestic worker that would come in and do a housework and she goes a few days later, she noticed that the domestic worker was reciting the surahs from the Quran. And she said to the worker, do you know what you're saying? She goes, I don't know what I'm saying, but it's really peaceful every time I hear this. So she had memorized a few surahs from, uh, from the Quran. And she said, like, OK, can you explain what it means? So then the lady who purchased the cut mobile from us, she told her worker what these surahs mean. And she goes, wow, this is really good because I'm quite interested in Islam. And a few days later, she took a shahada and became a Muslim. And... I remember reading that email and I was like, subhanAllah, that's like amazing. Because to be honest, when as the business started to grow and when I started the business, my main my main intention was to make sure that I can find cool products so that children can, you know, Islamic learning becomes fun for children. Never did I ever imagine that someone would become a Muslim by a product that we sell on our online store. And for me, that was like, you know what, I'm doing something right and doing something good in my life and that was like and I had to share that email with everyone in our team I was like you know guys we have those days where we're feeling like you know we can't do this or it's too much but you know feedback like that or emails like that was just really heart touching that is I'm speechless that is amazing and like if you ever need motivation to do something and me and Nice like we always talking about you know let's do something that couldn't really motivate someone about Islam or provide a good image of Islam or do something Islamic but that is that's it that's why you want to do it and that's an amazing story just hearing that piece of feedback you know, I didn't sleep for two days. I was like shocked because I was like, no, I did not expect this, you know, because, you know, it's, it, this is a busy time for us, you know, when we're kind of working on Ramadan and eat marketing and, you know, thinking of what products we want to stock. And, you know, when the kids have time off from school, it's so difficult because now they're in school. I can get so much done when they're in school and when they have time off, it sounds really horrible. But sometimes you think you have too much time off kids. <laughs> but, and you know, it's difficult to maintain, um, you know, and then I was thinking, OK, how, how am I going to maintain my... Um, work-life balance in the holidays and then a message like that I just stopped and I was like wow that's just amazing yeah it is we've covered so much and I'm really interested I'm even more curious so uh, the other thing I want to know so you've you've got to this stage because part of your story is the fact that you know you created something you've got this big brand now and um, like you said you've got a team behind you there's this whole aspect around that one how did you, how did that, first of all, how did that all ha- happen? Like you've now sold, you've gone into a partnership, is it? Yeah. You've been acquired. Yeah. How did that happen? So basically, after this whole BQ um, magazine issue, then what happened is that in 2016, I went to the Muslim Lifestyle Expo again. That happens every year. And I had the opportunity because, you know, they were doing, they get a lot of press attention and a lot of press coverage, the Muslim Lifestyle Expo um, team. So they were in contact with the Times. And the Times wanted to write an article about female entrepreneurship and Muslim women. So they, you know, the team asked me if I was interested in, you know, speaking to someone from the Times. And I was like, yes, of course. So I spoke to a journalist from the Times because at this point I knew the PR is good for the business and it's good for the brand. So I spoke to someone from the Times and, you know, she asked me a few questions about the business and how I started and everything. And then she published her article. But as it is the Times, they gave it a really lovely title <laughs> to get good coverage. Something like Muslim mom. I think it was something like Muslim mom law. I um, uh, can't remember from the top of my head, but something like sells Islamic toys to bring peace in kids. Um, <laughs> and obviously that got a lot of attention. And that story was then taken to the Daily Mail and the Sun and a few other sort of mainstream media sort of outlets and uh, I started receiving a lot of calls and a lot of you know I started getting a lot of messages from family and friends saying oh my god do you know you're on the Daily Mail and I was like what and I think one of the uh, I don't know which one it was but one of the um, media uh, sort of press thing wrote something about mum from Birmingham fights ISIS with her Islamic toys I was like oh my goodness I didn't even say this but it's all been sort of (laughs) taken out of context but um and I remember that was a really, st- although it was good for the business, but as someone sitting at home, it was really stressful for me because I did not expect that sort of attention. And for me, that was negative attention because I felt betrayed, if that made sense. I felt like I didn't say these words and now they've been taken out. And I felt, to me, I was scared because I was thinking, okay, I have all these lovely followers, all these people that support my business. And they're going to think, you know, I'm using my religion to um, grow the business and get PR attention. 
So I, I just, I was really upset, to be honest. And I wrote a message on my social media page explaining the whole situation, saying that, you know, I had an interview at the Times and they sort of, you know, haven't really quoted me correctly. And this has kind of been taken out of proportion, but people didn't care. And a lot of my followers were like, who cares, sister? You, you know, any PR is good PR. It doesn't matter. We're proud of you. And I was like, OK, that's good that, you know. And at this point, you know, I was getting a lot of orders. I, I wanted to grow the business further. And in my head, I wanted to, I was still working as an audiologist. And I, I knew now I was an entrepreneur and I knew I wanted to take this business to a different level. I knew there was more products I wanted to stock. But what was the problem? I had no money to do this. And I felt like I was a one woman team. And every time I, f- I wanted to hire someone or I would interview someone, and I just felt like they'd a, they weren't the right person. B, they would go and set up their own online Islamic toy store. So I was like, okay, you know, I think it was 2000 and, uh, the ending of 2016. And I started getting some health issues and I just got really depressed. And I thought to myself, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I'm just tired. You know, people think it's easy. You know, you buy something at reta- a wholesale price, you sell it at retail price, you make money. But no, I was putting every single penny back into the business, into marketing, into going to exhibitions, shows, buying new products. And I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. One of, I think one of the main reasons was I was drained physically, mentally. I was, just, I was just so drained out because I was doing everything. I was doing my own accounts, which I wasn't even doing properly, to be honest. Because, because I hate numbers, I was not really concentra- concentrating on my accounts. I was doing my own social media. I was doing my own graphics, all the customer service. I was doing everything. So, And then I was also working at my job for two days a week and being a mom. And I felt like, you know what, maybe this is not meant to be. And I kind of t- talked myself out of it. And I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to sell my business. This is too stressful for me. I've kind of financially got myself in trouble. Instead of, you know, helping the situation, I've kind of put all my savings into this business and I haven't achieved anything out of it. So I decided to contact a few people and I was like, who is it that I can trust? And I remember at that time, I couldn't think of anyone, to be honest. And then I I knew someone who, a business, like a marketing business, and they had done some... um, they basically had done some uh, work on the website a few years ago. And basically, I knew that they had a company where they would invest in businesses and they were in Saudi. So I contacted this brother and I said, Salam alaikum, hope you're well. But, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm selling my business. And this brother was like, OK, I would contact you. And I was at work that day because I'll contact you. What time are you free? And I said, OK, I finish work at six o'clock and I'm going to do the pick my daughter up from mosque so 6 30 or 7 o'clock and he's like okay I'll give you a call so I remember speaking to him and saying to me look I want to sell my business and he's like why and I was like look I'm just I'm not happy I, I don't think I can do this anymore I don't have the money I'm not making any money and I was like I was lying to myself because I was saying I don't enjoy it anymore you know I was finding any excuse basically to say look just buy my business right <laughs> and he was like okay I think you're drained out mm. you know it's a typical entrepreneurial story where you start off and you're on a high and then you know you realize it's either the finance that's an issue or, you know, the fact that you drained yourself out. He's like, I think, and I was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was making my problem bigger than what it was, basically. And he was like, no, I think you need to, um, what I'll do is I don't want to buy your business. Because if I want to, I can take your business from you. And I can, yeah, I can buy it. And I can make it really big because I can see the potential in your business. But this is your baby. You started it. And if it grows really big, you're going to regret it. At the moment, you're really drained out. I'm going to give you, you know, a few days to think about it. And then I'll contact you again. So I was like, wow, I've never met someone like that who said that to me, that I can take your business if I wanted to. But I'm not going to because, you know, it's yours. And I was like, you know, it was, it's, yeah, it's a basic thing. But I ha- it sounds really sad. But I didn't meet anyone at that point before that who was so honest. So he said, you know, what do you think of partnership we can partner up with you and I was like "Mm, I'm not sure because obviously I had come across Mm. so many people at that time who I felt like I could trust but in the end I could I just said like nah do I really want to go into partnership I was like "Mm, I don't know and then we had a few meetings and I remember the brother said something which was so simple at that time which really hit me it was something like look I'm not going to do anything because I fear Allah and I felt like you know this is what I had to hear from someone which I haven't heard for the past four years or three years at the time I was like you know what he's right if you're going to partnership it's going to help the business grow because I'll have a team you know and you know he gave me all the advantages and how he can how he will help with the you know growth of the business I thought you know what he's he's mentioned Allah nothing's going to happen I just have to put my trust in Allah and then I just you know I thought I'm going to pray for it do istahara see how things go and then I'm just going to go ahead with it and that's what I did basically in two and so in early 2017 I signed the agreement we got into partnership with a company called Marij uh, Group. And Alhamdulillah, since then, you know what? Things have been really good. 
in the sense that we've got someone who's helping me with my marketing we've got an accountant on board you know we've got I've got like a business partner in terms of the logo company logo that's the same but in terms of branding on how we sort of present the business on social media and everything we completely changed that we've got a new website professional photos so it's really improved in terms of the sales have tripled since I've been in partnership with Marij. Obviously, they've got experience because they've got, um, you know, marketing agencies, they've got experience. And it's been really good for me because when yeah, I drop do the school, you know, drop off in the morning, I come back home. It's not like me on my own working on my laptop. I know I can contact this person if I wanted a graphic, you know, done. I can contact someone else if I wanted something for marketing. So it's really good for me because I can now focus on growing the business and do what I always wanted to do. And I still do a lot of the buying, to be honest, I, because that's something that I really enjoy. So yeah, that's how it happened. It's, it's amazing hearing from your Facebook page to then now, you know, you've got this team behind you. you and, you know, it's, it's a really inspiring story for me personally as well. And I can relate to a lot of what you've been through. So, you know, it's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing it. And um, one of the areas that I wanted to uh, find out a bit more about is the whole Muslim marketplace. Because you said at the start, when, when you were looking and researching, you know, the quality wasn't there or there wasn't no one in the UK doing it. And not just the toys aspect of it, just generally the Muslim marketplace. Could, could you just talk us through how you've seen that evolve and where you think it stands right now? Right, okay. So when I started off and I was looking for toys, I came across a lot of cool products in the US and in Canada. And I was like, you know what? And I started doing my research, even books like authors, because there's a lot of Islamic books for children. There's so many, but there was only limited books that had really good illustrations that were child friendly and that were basic books that would teach children, you know, the basic about Islam that not got too much into detail and teach something through fun characters. And I remember uh, thinking, you know, the uh, American Muslims, they are way ahead of us. And that was something that we used to, I used to think, oh my God, why can't the British Muslims be, you know, that forward thinking? Because all the cool products the American Muslims had. And the only company I remember at the time that was in the UK that was selling toys was a company called Desi Doll. That their products were high quality in terms of packaging and stuff. There were a few products here in the UK that suppliers didn't even have decent packaging. So a lot of my products were coming outside of the UK. But over the past four years, there has been an increase in suppliers from the UK we've had a lot of Muslim brothers and sisters who are still in their full-time jobs but have started a sort of business on the side manufacturing designing their own products so we've had you know someone who's recently designed a Muslim baby cot mobile that I was talking about that's you know recites surahs from the Quran with nasheeds we, we didn't have that four years ago we've got someone recently who from the UK again who has designed a prayer mat it's an interactive prayer mat so when you step on the prayer mat and you know you press buttons it teaches a child how to pray in seven different languages now that's a uk supplier so i'm so proud that you know we've got someone from the uk who's doing designing stuff like that we've got we've got another company called the quran cube who basically have designed a cube and it recites the whole of the quran and it's got like seven different reciters we didn't have that seven years ago we've got our own like suppliers in the uk who design their own prayer mats they design prayer mats for you know for children prayer mats for adults you know prayer mats that go with the sort of interiors of your house we've got like uh, suppliers now who actually do their own Eid Mubarak bunting and balloons and decorations because before that all of this was coming from the US Muslims so the UK Muslims we've got like really good authors as well we've got um, mm. an author called Zani Mia who's written some amazing books for children the really well written books about the prophets mentioned in the Holy Quran and they've got like beautiful illustrations three or four pages for each prophet and it's like bedtime stories and you know when you read these books I'm ashamed to admit that I don't know some of these stories I'm kind of learning myself <laughs> as I'm teaching the children but there's like uh, what well, I'm just thinking we've got um, suppliers who are designing their own dolls so their own hijabi dolls like Barbie dolls wearing the hijabs you press them you know the arm or the leg and they recite or they say words uh, Islamic phrases so there's so many um, basically the product range has increased and majority of the suppliers are now from the UK which is just amazing to see that and within four years so much has improved and changed and the fact that every other week we're getting contacted by you know uh, someone saying that, oh you know i've designed a new product do you want to sample or do you think it's, do you want to sell it on your online platform and i think as i started off it was just for me to make learning fun for young children but i think as we have grown we have kind of supported these small businesses they've kind of grown with us now so because we recently we've sort of uh, expanded to the u.s and we've taken their stock to the u.s so we're ordering more from them which is helping them but it's also helping us because we're providing them a bigger platform if that makes sense to sell their products that's pretty good to hear. And, and it kind of takes us into the next question I wanted to ask you was, you know, you've been in the retail business focused on the Muslim consumer 
for a couple of years now and you've been attending the Muslim Lifestyle Expo over the last couple of years. So you, you've obviously seen the growth in the Muslim marketplace. What advice would you give to somebody who, a Muslim who wants to enter the Muslim marketplace and, you know, you've seen the growth firsthand when you go to these conferences or when you network. Like, do you have any advice for people who want to enter this market? Any tips? Yes. You know, the Muslim halal market, when it comes to Islamic toys, modest clothing, the Muslim market is booming. You know, we spend more on average compared to a non-Muslim consumer, especially when it comes to Eid and Ramadan time, and especially when it comes to our children. So anyone who wants to start a business that is catered for Muslims, I would say, you know what, do what you want to do, but make sure you enjoy what you do, because obviously you have to really, really like what you do in order to survive because you will have a lot of down days than the high days. And obviously, in order to get through them, you really need to be passionate about what you're doing. And secondly, if you want to get into the market and you know, you're passionate about what you want to do and you've got a business plan and you know who your audience is or, who your, or what your market is, go to these you know, exhibitions and shows because you'll meet other like-minded people and other Muslims you know, who are in business and you learn so much from them. But it's also they motivate you. And what you notice is when you go to these exhibitions and shows, you know, they happen every year, you, you kind of meet the same businesses and same people because the Muslim entrepreneurial community is actually quite small. Everyone knows everyone. So it's kind of good to get to know these people. And yeah, this is a time because I think us Muslims are becoming brave in the sense that, you know, a lot of the sisters I've come across have, you know, taken that step forward. It's okay, you know what? I'm going to take this risk. I'm not the main bread we know. You know, I'm just going to give it a go, see if it works. And, you know, there's so many creative Muslims out there. And it's amazing to see, especially recently, the products they're coming out with, the amount of research that they've done on the packaging, product design is just amazing. And that's one thing we've noticed as well. It's really that aspect of it has really, really evolved. And various businesses we spoke to, the the product has really evolved over time. And you're spot on. What you're saying is that, you know, the packaging is much better. It looks a lot cleaner. It looks a lot slicker. It looks much more professionally done. It's taken time, but we're getting there. And it's so nice to say that, you know, because I used to say, oh, the American Muslims are so forward. And it's so good to see that the amount of British Muslims that are, you know, starting their own businesses, you know, and having that recently came across a sister who was sell- selling candles and they're like, oud candles so they got mm. the smell of oud and base and i was just looking at her social media page and i was looking at her website and i was thinking she is amazing in the sense that her branding is just so on point her photography is there her logo is amazing it's got such a clean finish her packaging is there i was thinking oh my god if i had to see my business four years ago i'm so ashamed to look at that business but you know what? it's been a learning curve but yeah. I had no knowledge of photography, branding, packaging or any of that. But to see that some of these sisters have already, you know, started this really clean, you know, looking businesses, it's just amazing. Is there anything that you've seen or any area that really excites you going forward in the Muslim halal marketplace? I think for me, it's always been toys, isn't it? I think what really excited me was the fact that when I saw the Mattel, you know, the company that makes Barbie, when they recently yeah. said that they are launching a doll that is going to wear a hijab. And I was like... Oh my yeah, God, even the mainstream, yes. And I was like, even the mainstream companies, toy companies ha- know that there's there's a massive Muslim market that they need to tap into. And I can see it getting bigger and bigger because I can see the suppliers and manufacturers I'm working with. At the moment, they're working with us and they're supplying toys to us. To us. But I can see them in the future, they will be supplying toys to mainstream retailers and mainstream companies. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I think we should move on towards our quick fire round. So um, in a quick fire round, Nazia, we're just going to ask you some questions. Your answers don't necessarily need to be quick. <laughs> so um, I'll start off with the first question. So we're going to call it our, our fire round. <laughs> uh, okay, so the first question is, what's the best Eid gift that you have ever received? A bracelet. Sad, isn't it? <laughs> oh, who did you get it from? Yeah, it was from my husband. I kind of dropped a hint I want this bracelet and I wasn't expecting it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, and then the next question is favorite thing to do with kids. Um, favorite thing to do with kids: summer days in the park, which we don't get much in the UK, do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when they do come, it's it's amazing. Yeah, nice long They're the best days. days yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so next one is your top three tips for staying productive. Uh, top three tips for staying productive. Okay, write a to do list. Block out time. So if something needs to be done, just block out time. And the third one is um, switch off the phone and any distractions like social media. That's good. I like the last one. I think social media and stuff like that eats up so much time. And if you can do that and be disciplined. Well, I've recently, I'm, I'm really good at writing lists. I can like a, write <laughs> a huge list. But then blocking that time out for each task on the calendar, that was something that I was missing. 
<laughs> Same here. I always like doing the list. It helps focus. Um, and then the last question from the quickfire round. What is a gift that you give quite often? Toys. I'm always giving toys to kids. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any specific toy that you like to give? Yeah, you know, recently I've been giving, because um, um, my daughter's had a few birthdays recently and I've been giving her, we've got this doll, this called a Jenna doll. So she's like a Muslim Barbie with a hijab and everything. And I've been gifting that to her friends. But when it comes to younger children, we've got this pillow, it's called a Dua pillow. And I've been gifting that to my family and friends and everyone loves these these products. Because they've been dropping hints, you know, I want to buy that, I want to buy that. So thinking, okay, when it comes to the child's birthday or something special, just gift it to them. And they really appreciate it. Yeah. So what's the most popular toy on your uh, in your toy shop? So it used to be the Dua pillow. So it's like a star-shaped pillow, which lights up and it recites a few surahs. And that's been like a bestseller since last year. But recently, we've had the interactive salamat. And that's just selling like hotcakes at the moment. Because, again, it's an interactive product. It's really good in terms of its quality and the features it has. What, what is the toy? What, like, is it, it's, just, it's a mat with... Basically a salah mat. And it, but you press the buttons and it teaches your child what to say in each position when they're praying. So if your child stands on the mat, it senses that your child is standing and it starts reciting Surah Fatiha. Oh, yeah. So when they go down to sujood, it knows your child's gone to sujood. It's got like, I don't know, it's got some sensors or something, but it can actually sense what your child, what position your child's in. And it starts reciting and it, it speaks in seven different languages. So you can teach your child to pray in seven different languages oh that's really cool and especially a lot of people who've got kids uh you know seven to eight teaching them to pray you know the beginning to pray it's a really fun product to have because it's all interactive but at the end of the day it's teaching your child how to pray and it's really important to make praying fun so that could be one of the reasons why it's one of the best sellers and also there's nothing like that in the market which is key and i think that's what you you've mentioned it a few times but that's what you really look for yes which is good to hear um so uh nazia it's been amazing hearing your story Uh, what's next for you inshallah after ramadan we're launching a store in indonesia and uh, then south africa inshallah so are these physical stores these are online stores and then inshallah one day we will have our own physical store never say never (laughs) yeah it sounds exciting And and do you, do you deliver worldwide? Yes, we ship worldwide. Yes, we do. Great. And where can people find you? They can find us www.ibrahimtoyhouse.com. I should have got my daughter here. She's really good at advertising the business. <laughs> 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 and they can find us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter as Ibrahim Toyhouse. I'll include the links when we release the episode as well. So before we let you go, Nazia, we have a final question. And the final question is... If you could choose one of your traits that you can pass on to your children, what would it be? Oh, I think never give up. Even though I was close to giving up, never give up. <laughs> That's a good trait. And I think you've seen it throughout your story. Like you just kept going. And from my point of view, you know, going to the networking events, standing up, it's definitely come through. So thank you for joining us, Nazia. Yeah, it's been great hearing your story. It's been great talking to you. Really enjoyed it. So thank you for coming to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me and listening to my story. Bye. Not over just yet, everyone. Of course, we've got to plug ourselves. We hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some gold nuggets of wisdom. Remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you wanted to give us any feedback, praise, or if you have any suggestions for guests, send us an email to info at onefootinthesink.com. You can also find us on Facebook, just search One Foot in the Sink, or Instagram at One Foot in the Sink, or Twitter at the number one foot in the sink. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and look out for new episodes every other Monday or fortnightly or bi-weekly, whatever you want to call it. Let's go with two weekly. That's me all done. See you guys soon.